As people move out of certain stages, what I've found is that you either get hit with like toxic positivity or so much negativity when Mm. you're talking about anything related to your child, right? So if you have a newborn baby and you're like, oh, this is really hard, I'm not sleeping, people are like, oh, just be grateful, you have a baby, you should love every moment, like enjoy it all, blah, blah, blah. Or they tell you, just wait, wait. it's going to get so much worse. And you're like, can't I just be in this moment and like talk (laughs) about what I'm going through without thinking about how I should be grateful or that it's going to get worse. Hi, and welcome to Help Them Bloom, a podcast for conscious parents. All right, parents, raising children is no small job. And how you choose to raise your child during their first years impacts so much of their self-worth and how they'll navigate life. As a child and parenting expert, I'm here on a mission to help you parent intentionally through the messiest of your moments and in a way that feels good to you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So last episode, I shared a story about Liv finding out that I was pregnant and how her reaction was not the reaction that most people would have expected her to have. But what really mattered most in that moment was the way that I responded to her and how I was able to hold space for all that disappointment and worry and sense of betrayal that she felt. Uh, I don't think that's sort of what's innately occurs to us in that moment. That's not what we want to do. We want to kind of like take our kids out of that. Uh, But today I'm so excited because this is so timely. I have such a special guest with me, Whitney Goodman, and she's here to talk with me about the total opposite. Those often innate responses we tend to have with our kids when they're having a hard time where we want to just you know, shine the positivity, the bright side, rescue them from these feelings. I'll really let Whitney do all of the talking about it because she's the expert in it. Uh, To give you a little background on her, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is a radically honest psychotherapist behind the hugely popular Instagram account, Sit With Wit. And she's the author of Toxic Positivity, and the owner of the Collaborative Counseling Center, a private practice. She helps people who want to improve their relationships and their emotional awareness. Whitney, thanks so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You know, I read your book and it just resonated so much with me and with what the way I think I was experiencing life anyway. But what I realized after reading it was just how deeply toxic positivity is embedded into our everyday culture and society. So to give our listeners a little bit more of an understanding, can you explain a little bit what toxic positivity is? Toxic positivity is the unrelenting pressure to be happy and positive all the time, no matter what the circumstances are. And this is something that we use against ourselves and other people when they're going through difficult times or maybe a emotionally complicated time. 
Mm -hmm. So what's like an example of how we could use it against ourselves? I love that. And even think about framing it that way. Yeah. I think anytime that we're going through something where we're feeling two emotions at once, we say things like, I should be happy right now. I should be grateful. At least it's not X, Mm -hmm. Um, especially around like big milestones. Like I think having children, being pregnant, your wedding day, like all these times where you feel a lot of different feelings And you punish yourself if any of those feelings don't fit with like the norm of what you're supposed to be feeling that day. Yeah. I feel like I could relate to that right now because I'm, so I'm so grateful to be pregnant and, and, you know, most people know I've done IVF. I've had my fertility journeys. I still am having a really hard time really often with just the changes in my body, the changes in my energy. And I can, I can totally relate to that because sometimes I'll feel that way. And then almost like the guilt starts to seep in as like, wait a minute, you work so hard to get here, right? Or not everyone can get pregnant. And it is such a like dialogue almost that you have to have with yourself. And then I don't want to talk about the outside voices because they're all like shining, you know, you should be grateful. And, you know, at least all you want is a healthy baby and all of that. What does toxic positivity tend to look like in the parenting world? It's rampant in the parenting <laughs> world, I think. Um, especially as as people move out of certain stages, what I've found is that you either get hit with like toxic positivity or so much negativity when mm. you're talking about anything related to your child, right? So if you have a newborn baby, And you're like, oh, this is really hard. I'm not sleeping. People are like, oh, just be grateful. You have a baby. You should be love every moment. Like enjoy it all, blah, blah, blah. Or they tell you, just wait. wait. It's going to get so much worse. And you're like, can't I just be in this moment and like talk (laughs) about what I'm going through without thinking about how I should be grateful or that it's going to get worse? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so true. And do you, how would you describe this toxic positivity to happen between parent and child? Because that's when in my work with parents, that's what I see the most is this need to kind of rescue kids or from their from their hard feelings or from their struggles and also just this need to help their kids kind of feel more positive throughout the day and look at the bright side and gratitude, this whole thing on gratitude. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you see that a lot? Have you? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I think that's what inspired a lot of my desire to talk about this topic was my own experience with that mm-hmm. growing up. And now I look back at, at my parents with empathy of like, okay, my life was a lot easier than theirs was when they were growing up. And so I think they were probably like, what are you complaining about? And we do that with our kids a lot, right? Especially in immigrant households or people who went through a lot and now they have children who are living these lives that they would have only dreamed of living of. So you can be in this position of like, I don't get what my kid is complaining about. I don't get why they feel so negative. There's also this idea that we want to fix everything that our kid is going through. We don't want them to feel pain. And so we try to put a positive spin on it. You know, if your kid is having trouble at school with their friends and you kind of respond with like, but everybody loves you. I love you. Mm -hmm. It's, It's all great. And the kid's like, but no, 
I don't feel good about this. This is hurting me. And we, we tend to, with very good intentions, suppress what our child is feeling and, and minimize it to some degree when we meet them with that positivity. Do you feel like that's about us? Oh, yeah. I I think it's uncomfortable, you know, to watch your kids struggle, especially as they get older. I think when they're really young, it's easy, right? Like I have a 17 month old, I can hug him, distract him, like it's easy for me to get him out of those moods. But when your kid is having peer relationships, or they're actually talking to you about things that are difficult for them, I think that gets a lot of our stuff gets triggered. Yeah, And we're also like, oh, I don't want to feel this negative, overwhelming thing. So I'm going to try to shut this down yeah. and make it better. And then do you also feel like people can feel like it's a reflection on them? Like it's a reflection on us as parents, the oh, fact sure. that they are going through these things or that we we didn't do, let's say, a better job. That's like sort of maybe the narrative that will come up for us or something like that. It's like our own, their failures are our own failures. Like will parents see it? For sure, for sure. And I I think there's this idea that like the goal in life is to make your child happy, Mm -hmm. right? And we hear parents say this all the time to their kids. My parents said it to me. All I care about is that you're happy. I just want my kid to be happy. And it creates this really tall order that once you get to adulthood, you realize like happiness is fleeting. It's not a thing. It's (laughs) moments. It's not like a goal. And I think I work with a lot of young adults that are like, I'm just trying to be happy and they cannot get there. And it's agonizing. Yeah. Cause it's not a destination. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. what they kind of, that's what it's true. That's sort of what we're kind of told. And I think that's, that's what parents really believe their jobs are. So how would you reframe that for parents? Cause like the way I like to reframe it is like helping your kid be resilient is a lot more effective than your job is to make them happy. What about you? How would you sort of reframe that? Totally agree with you. And I think your goal is to make your child equipped and prepared for challenges in life, which includes learning how to be happy and to enjoy moments, right? And also how to deal with things when they're bad yeah, or when they're complicated. Yeah. Because that's life isn't you know, without stressors and things don't go according to plan. Just this weekend, we had, we were supposed to all be in Disney and then Liv got the flu the night before. Yeah. And she tested positive for flu. And just even that moment is really tough for a parent because it's such a letdown for your kid. And part of me wanted to be like, what else can I do to like help her feel like this is the best weekend ever? But the other part of me was like, she's really sick. And like, all she (laughs) needs is to like sit in bed and like watch movies and deal with disappointment. And like, let's figure out like how to solve this, you know, as much as we can, but that's life. So I felt Mm -hmm. like this is also an opportunity. And honestly, Whitney, I was so proud of her. Like she, That's she great. had her feelings. She cried. I allowed, you know, I, I I held the space for that. And then she was fine. Like I was, what I'm noticing and tell me if you see this like with your clients or or with your research, that it's something that kids can, it's like a skill almost that they can kind of build. Like they sort of, I feel like the better they are at managing their emotions, the quicker they, they can jump back and and bounce back and get into that sort of let's let's move ahead. Like mm-hmm. you don't get so stuck when you're actually able to process feelings as they come rather than everything is, you know, needs to be at least this or I need to be grateful or I don't know mm-hmm. what you what do you think about that? 
A hundred percent. Because I think when we teach our kids that any distressing emotion should be avoided at all costs, we're telling them that they should be afraid of those feelings and that they can get stuck in them and they can't overcome them versus when you're able to say, this is annoying. Like this weekend sucks. I wish we could be at Disney, whatever, but we're going to get through it. And when Mm -hmm. your daughter is able to see, okay, I got to the other side, she won't get so bogged down by the next time that that comes up, right? Because she has evidence and experience getting through it. And so do you as the parent, which makes it easier to tolerate the next time. Yeah. So for the parent, you're saying like, that's something that every time you sort of practice it a little more, just holding space and tolerating those distressing feelings you're seeing in your child, you get better at it too. Your tolerance gets better. So we know that our brains are like predictive learning machines, right? So we're going to tend to predict and expect what we've already experienced. And that's why we need new experiences to learn like things can be different. Mm -hmm. And so I think for parents, you have to acknowledge for yourself like, okay, wow, I sat with my kid while he was crying and screaming and I got through that. And the next time that it comes up, I can get through that again. And it's really important to like remember and reinstate that over and over. Yeah. What are some maybe good strategies to be able to do that? Because I feel like in the moments where the triggers happen, it's so it can be so tough for parents to remember this. Yeah. The the first thing I encourage people to do is kind of drop this belief that their goal is to always make their child happy, right? And to get them into a positive place. Mm-hmm. Their goal is just to help them navigate that experience and also to help yourself do that. So what do I need to be the most present for my child in that moment so that I don't engage in toxic positivity? Can I have some other sayings like in my mind to say in that moment, like, I'm here with you. Um, We're going to get through this together. I know that you're feeling X. I believe you. I know this is important to you. And the more you can practice saying those things instead of, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Don't cry. You're going to get over it. I think it becomes just as reflexive and automatic for us because those words don't really come out of my mouth anymore because I've been practicing saying the other stuff so much. Yeah. You know, I believe you has been a game changer in our life. I I feel like, I don't think that was like something that was really ever said to me. I don't think that was something, you know, but, but it was something that I wish was said often. And I've been using that a lot with my daughter. And I just feel like so often that's just enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like they can just at that point not feel like they need to go the extra mile to really show you, you know, what they're going through. Like you're just, I believe you. And it's so connecting to the child, I feel like. Absolutely. And you might notice, like you're saying after that, they don't feel a need to intensify, yeah. Yeah. right? Because they're like, okay, she gets yeah. me. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes you'll see them like, you're not hearing me. I'm going to get louder. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get and more dramatic here. I don't blame not... them for that. I, I do the same thing. <laughs> like when I feel like my husband isn't getting me, I'm yes. like, I got to explain myself more and more and more. It's interesting because I feel like my husband is totally like, he needs your book. 
He needs more than your book. (laughs) But he engages in this all the time, right? Like it's sort of like, well, at least the at least things or uh, I don't feel believed often. And it's it's really hard. Like if you experience it, you be experiencing with adults around us. You can almost imagine like what it's like for a child to feel so invalidated by a parent. I want to go back to a second about the gratitude thing. Can we go back there a second? This is yes. a this is a big one. Can we talk about gratitude for a minute? Can you talk about like <laughs> things <laughs> things that we might expect or, or things that trigger us around gratitude or ingratitude with our kids? Yeah. So I have a theory that whenever there's like a free psychological tool that people think works, we just like try to give it to everybody and and make it work. And I think gratitude is one of those things where (laughs) it's really nice and great, but it does not work a hundred percent of the time in all situations with all people. It's also not a feeling that our kids just like know how to feel and, and to express. We have to model it and teach it to them. And what I notice with parents is that when they overextend themselves and give beyond maybe what they're comfortable with, or they feel resentful, they get upset Mm -hmm. with the child for not expressing gratitude. And it's not really about the kid being ungrateful. It's about the parent's feelings of resentment and going too far, being too tired, not taking care of themselves. And then we blame the kid for that mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. I have a story about this, which is yes. Uh, my, my co-parent and I took li- another Disney story. <laughs> Why are all my stories about Disney? <laughs> we took Liv on a Disney trip together a couple months, maybe it was last year. I don't even remember. Time's a blur. Um, <laughs> and you know, it was a, a weekend of indulgence. So just like what you're saying, like it was like a lot of everything. Like she got, you know, all the treats, all the snacks, all the toys, all the rides. Like it was just three really hectic days. And and then we came home and I remember she was with her dad. And he, when he came to drop her off in the office, they had just gotten to like some argument. And so mm. they walked in and what had happened is I think they went to to Target for some reason and she had asked, for a toy, which is a normal, you know, at that age, she was six, a normal six-year-old kind of behavior. And this was so triggering to him because of the weekend that she had just had where we Mm -hmm. really like indulged her in so much that he was like, he totally tied this to she's not grateful and nothing's enough. Right. And he would tell, you know, he started throwing all of this in her face of like, well, we just did this for you and we did this for you and you got this and you got that. And I mean, her answer, her answer was, okay, but I'm still allowed to want a toy. That's just my feeling. Like, that's just what I want. You know, <laughs> you could tell she's a therapist's daughter. Oh, but man. when they came into my office and like, we sort of talked about it, I was like, she's right. Like she's allowed to want these things. It doesn't mean she's going to get them. Right. But the the feeling of wanting something doesn't really mean she's like an ungrateful child. I also feel like we will take like a moment where mm-hmm. our child's actually displaying a pretty normal, typical child behavior. And we sort of generalize it to like, this is who they are now. Like this is, they're they're For an sure. ungrateful person. Why do we generalize like that so much? 
I think it's so easy with parenting to like hear something and then be like, oh no, this is going to be the future. This is what's going to happen to my child. Or we're we're working with our own preconceived notions, mm-hmm. you know, about how we see other kids behaving, what our parents said to us. Mm-hmm. I think as parents, we all want to be able to predict that what we're doing right now will lead to good outcomes. Right. And so there can be some fear that sets in when we see like, oh, I did this thing and now she's behaving in this way. So that means this is going to happen. Right. Or if I don't like take care of this right now, it's going to turn into this like monstrous thing. So it's like really fear based parenting. We're not really parenting like the moment right now all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one last question for you, Whitney, how, I know we, we, you kind of talked about this, but like tying it all together, how can we change this narrative um, and start to do away just with toxic positivity in our own lives and, and as parents with our child, but also just with this culture around us of what's expected of us in the parenting world? Like, what do you, what do you suggest? Uh, I think with with moving away from toxic positivity, we have to hold space for reality and also have hope and be optimistic, especially with our children. It's important to talk to them about like, this is what's going on in a developmentally appropriate way, but also show them that like things do change and the world gets better and things turn around. And this can be a hard balance to strike. And I think it's different with every single kid, right? With the parenting culture, I, I want us all to get a little bit better at sitting with other people doing things differently from us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, within reason, um, and also not beating ourselves up so much for not being happy all the time and feeling perfect and excited about every milestone of parenting. I'm someone that like hated the newborn phase yeah. and I beat myself up for that so much. And everyone told me what a nightmare like toddlers are. And I'm like, oh, I love (laughs) being a parent to a toddler. Like that's been really good. It fits like my personality that I think if we can give ourselves some space to be like, just because this is hard doesn't mean it's all bad or I hate all of it. And also not push ourselves to love every single part. Yeah. So, so, so definitely adjusting our expectations a lot more Yeah. And, and being more compassionate, right? with ourselves, with our kids. I have actually one more thing I wanted to bring in because I noticed on your Instagram, you have been uh, lately really focusing on like adult adult relationships with adult parents, like adult, Mm -hmm. how do you describe it? I like just described it wrong. Yeah, adult children and their parents. Yes. So what what kind of made you focus on that? Find that so interesting. It has been such a big part of my clinical work over Mm -hmm. the last two years. Like since the start of COVID, I have been talking about this with almost every one of my clients. Like it's incredible that I was just like, wow, this is such a big thing. And I, I think it has a lot to do with like millennials and their parents and being online and being exposed to all this new therapy information that there is a lot of headbutting going mm. on. Um, and I could write about this and talk about this stuff all day. So if anybody's looking for information about that, that is something I am really turning uh, to focus on now. So well said, Whitney. Thank you so much for joining. Can you tell people where they can find you about your book, everything? I want them to connect. 
Yes. So you can find me on social media, uh, Instagram, TikTok at sitwithwit. My website is sitwithwit.com. And you can find my book, Toxic Positivity, linked in all those places or anywhere books are sold. Thank you. Thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for hanging out with me today. To keep up with the latest episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And to keep up with the latest content and workshop offerings, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You can do this on my website, www.hatchandbloom.co. You can also catch me on Instagram at hatchandbloomco. See you soon.